You are now listening to the Soul and Wonder podcast, episode 26, Raw Food Living with Marina. Welcome to the Soul and Wonder podcast, where the conduits of the body, depths of the mind, and atlas of the soul are explored with devotion. Through cultural exchange, Christopher and Sarah and their guests will deliver sacred wisdom from around the globe, uncovering the hidden gems of conscious living and holistic healing all to empower you on your journey of self-discovery. And now, here are your hosts, Christopher and Sarah. Raw foods, raw foods, raw foods. Raw foods on the Soul and Wonder podcast. We are your hosts, Sarah and Christopher. Super pumped to have you guys here. We get to interview the lovely Marina Yanai Triner of Soul in the Raw. She is a vegan blogger educator, and recipe creator. She promotes a high raw vegan lifestyle, and her goal is to show people how easy raw veganism can be and how fun and creative it is to add more raw foods to their lifestyles. So Marina began her vegan journey as a result of a powerful healing story in her family and discovered her own body and a new connection to herself in the process, which she will share with us in the interview. And she was also able to heal her digestion issues along with it. So Marina's brand new online course, The Effortlessly Flavorful Vegan Kitchen, is all about improving digestion through oil-free, high-raw vegan meals that are just as flavorful as they are healthy. And she goes into detail about this course later in the episode. So we're super pumped to dive in with Marina. She has a lot of information to share with you about the benefits of a high raw vegan diet. She gets personal with her story about her vegan transformation. She dives into the effortlessly flavorful vegan kitchen. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) Her new online course. And she gives a lot of good advice for those who are may already be vegan and are looking to switch to a high raw food diet or are people who just interested in a high raw vegan diet in general. So make sure you stick around to the end of the episode for your health tip, which this one's going to be more about talking. Not sure what I mean there? Stick around and you'll see. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited. We've got Marina with us. How are you doing, Marina? Great. How are you? Doing well. We're super pumped to have you on the show. Yeah, so am I. We're excited to get into this raw vegan lifestyle. You know, this we have yet to bring this topic to our listeners. Yeah, this will be a first time. This will be a yeah. first time. Yeah. So, Marina, let's start off this way. What exactly is a high raw vegan diet and what are some of the benefits? Um, so at first I started being actually 100% raw and then I kind of went into high raw and a lot of people are like, what is high raw? So it just means that most of your calories come from raw food but not everything. And raw food just includes everything vegan that's not cooked, that's actually uh, living, I guess. And some foods like for example people get confused and they ask me what about like chickpeas in a can you know that are cold or or even things like peanut butter and I'm like no that is not raw because it has been heated and processed so i'm not against those things at all 
I just uh, like to recommend to include a lot of raw food in your diet because it's just very nutrient dense. So certain things are really healthy when they're more cooked, like tomatoes is the famous example, mushrooms, uh, things like that. And certain foods are, they just retain more nutrition when they're raw. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's something that we've gotten into a lot lately is which foods, you know, what's the process that happens with certain foods when you do cook them, such as baked potatoes, and like you said, tomatoes, mushrooms, and then how other foods actually are so much more powerful raw. And mm -hmm. there, our listeners have probably heard us talk about broccoli quite a bit, how when you actually eat a raw broccoli floret, what happens is some there's uh, your something in your saliva combines with this compound in that broccoli floret, and it turns it into sulforaphane, a sulforaphane mm -hmm. compound. And what that does is it's essentially it turns on all of your positive genes that help protect against disease and cancers and everything. And it's it doesn't do that if it's cooked. Well. Actually, you know, I was watching, I'm quite obsessed with Dr. Gregor. I don't know if you are, but mm -hmm. I'm a total like nutritionfacts.org nerd because oh, yeah. I love just all the sciencey things. And he has a really cool video on that because, yeah, the cancer thing with broccoli is really big. But he has a video on how you can actually take advantage of that cancer protecting benefit if it's still raw. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you chop it up. Um, and I think it has to stay chopped for maybe 30 minutes to an hour to activate that compound. I think it's an enzyme mm -hmm. that you're talking about. And then you cook it and then it still works the same way. Really? So you just have to have it so, chopped yeah. previously for a certain amount of time before you cook it. Yeah, exactly. Pretty That's cool. Very interesting. Do you ever dive into any broccoli sprouts? Yeah, those are so good. Yes. We go through boxes of those. <laughs> <laughs> I need to sprout more. To be honest, I always tell my uh, my audience to sprout, but I, I got to do it more myself, and it's so easy. It really is. We, ha we have yet to grow our own, but it, it, it is such an easy process. We've just been lazy. <laughs> We've been yeah, so exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way. Yep. So could you go into maybe a little bit more detail on what some of the benefits are of a high raw vegan diet? I know you said obviously higher nutritional value, etc. but maybe there's something more specific you'd like to talk about? I think the water content is a big one. So a lot of raw foodists, you know, people who do like 100% raw, they dehydrate a lot of food. And I think that actually takes away the number one benefit of raw food, which is all the hydration that you get from the food. So I just like to keep the dehydrated foods to a minimum. And so when you eat something that's not cooked or not dehydrated, it has all of the uh, water content in there. So that's one of my favorites. Um, and then another one, I know you guys like the spiritual side of things. So this is not, I don't think this is actually research based, but this is just something that I intuitively feel is that when you eat raw during the day especially I just feel that it kind of connects you more to your intuition and um, just let allows you to be like more spiritual definitely more energetic so that's why I like to keep my cooked food to the nighttime but it's it's just there's something really like uh, awareness promoting about it I feel 
I'm really happy that you mentioned both of those things. Number one, the hydration factor. That's something that we preach a lot in regards. So we have a few videos that we've done uh, called the eight dimensions of wellness. We're on number five right now, but number two was water and hydration. And we were talking about how it's not just drinking the right types of water, like RO water with added minerals and all that, but if you need to get your water content up and really start hydrating the cells within your body, eat raw foods. Because again, like you said, they are very, very high um, in water content and it's a really good way to hydrate the body. And I, de- mm-hmm. I definitely agree about the spiritual grounding with raw foods throughout most of the day. For example, we start our mornings every morning with a smoothie or a smoothie bowl, some tea, and it really gives us a good boost. Um, I do like to have sometimes a cooked grain with my lunches because I find for my body type, it just seems to sustain some good energy for me if I want to work out in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. But I will, if we do cook foods, for the most part, it is at night. And sometimes even then that's still raw. So if you're doing a high raw diet, you said most of your calories would be raw foods. Can you maybe give like an explanation of what a typical day might look like? Yeah, sure. Actually, I just wanted to mention a comment about the water because I found it really interesting that fruits and vegetables actually, maybe you guys mentioned this in your um, episode that you did, but they actually naturally filter water. So you get naturally pure filtered water, which I think is really cool. Um, But yes, a breakdown. Um, So smoothie bowls for breakfast. Absolutely. I love them. I do the same thing. I actually prefer smoothie bowls because then they get you to chew your food. And a lot of people, when they do smoothies, they just like down them, which is not a good idea. It doesn't digest very well. And I like it because you can shove so many things in there and it still tastes good. So I always put green and flax seeds and uh, turmeric and black pepper. That's like my, mm. my thing that I uh, start with. And then lots of fruit. Um, so that's breakfast. And for lunch, you can either basically do the same thing, just different berries, fruits, different greens, or um, a mono meal of fruit, which I like to do, if especially if it's summer and you have fruits that you really love, like watermelon or peaches or, you know, things like that. I really like to just have like five peaches or four, whatever I'm craving. But if you, if you feel that you need something more filling, a salad is also really nice for lunchtime. And uh, I love salad dressings. I'm sure we'll get into this later, but yes. they're my obsession. <laughs> um, and and then for dinner, um, anything from cooked grains alone to, um, you know, making a bowl where you have some raw. You can hear my cat in the background. I don't know if you can hear her. She's totally, <laughs> totally welcome on the Soul and Wonder podcast. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, yeah, she's just she talks a lot. Um, so, <laughs> so for dinner, you can have I really like bowls because I just like having a lot of different categories in the food, like some raw vegetables, some greens, some grains, beans, and then a good dressing for dinner. That's really nice. So that's kind of a back, uh, breakdown. 
I like that, and I like how you add in some fruit during the day. We're we're huge into that. We're now that's getting warm out with like a lot mm-hmm. of the melons, the watermelon, the honeydews, cantaloupes. Mm, yeah, just and, really refreshing. And for our listeners that don't know what a mono meal is, that's when you take one fruit and just like load up on it. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's something that you and I, Chris, we haven't explored just yet. We haven't quite dove into the mono meals for lunches. I know that's uh, in the, what is it called? The 80, is it 80, 10, 80, 10, 10, 10. Yeah, yeah. That's a popular thing for people to do is the mono meal lunch with their favorite fruit or a sweet fruit of sort. And, um, I'd like to try that out. Absolutely. We're always into trying new things out. Mm-hmm. When you do do a mono meal, how much of that fruit are you usually eating? I I like to focus on like higher calorie fruits. I don't like bananas, and I know it's kind of it's a semi secret because it's like not okay to be a raw foodist and not like bananas. <laughs> but I only like frozen bananas, so uh, so I don't do the bananas. Like my partner will eat a bunch of bananas, a mm-hmm. like a whole large bunch. Um, so I would say it's wise to kind of break down your calories by meal so that you're not under eating because it can sometimes feel strange when you're having a mono meal because maybe you only have room for say three peaches but you you know you want to get about 500 700 calories depending on of course your activity level and all that kind of stuff um, so I, yeah, I normally would have four to five of a 100 calorie fruit, like peaches or nectarines or, you know, a ton of water, like a quarter probably of a large watermelon. So large portions. Wow. Awesome. We're going to, we're going to try that out. Yeah. Very informative. I really appreciate you sharing that. Mm-hmm. So let's switch gears a little bit and dive into your personal story behind your vegan transformation. Can you can you share a little bit about that? Sure. I actually this morning I was at the gym and I was listening to your podcast, which I loved. With I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Corin Sutton. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, great okay, guy. Okay, I love that. Yeah, it was really interesting and. He talked about violence in there, which I really connect to. So I thought I would talk about it, too, because he was talking about um, being in the military and quitting the military because of kind of wanting to live a nonviolent life. Um, So my story is a lot of people have, you know, their healing stories with veganism. And a lot of times it's physical healing. And in my family, I saw physical healing in my mom. She had IC, interstitial cystitis, a horrible, horrible disease. Have you ever heard about it? I don't think so, no. Mm-hmm. So, so it's basically, it's a bladder disease that um, that feels like a UTI, <laughs> but just all the time. Mm. So it's, it's really painful and you have to pee every five minutes, sometimes every three minutes, it's really difficult a lot of the people that have it don't really live a normal life so she really didn't and uh, she was really really in pain for eight years until she uh, did some water fasting and raw food and that is kind of the example that I saw and aspired to um, in my own family so my mom actually got me to go vegan (laughs) <laughs> and uh, she she was more into, you know, 100% raw because that is what healed her. And she was, of course, she was so excited and grateful. Uh, for me, I really wanted to heal 
emotionally. And my story is when I was in high school, I was sexually assaulted. And I think that experience really impacted the way that I see violence and power relationships. So that's why I wanted to connect to violence because I, since that moment, I became so aware of who's in control and how how is the power divided between people and now people and animals. And so... Um, when I started with raw food, I started just for my health, but I started slowly really seeing it for the animals and really connecting to also the story of how, you know, cows are raped to get milk, mm -hmm. which I never knew about before. And so um, the violence aspect and the power relationships and how we always see ourselves um, above animals really spoke to me. Um, so that was part of the story. And the other part is dealing with PTSD, which actually Corin didn't talk about, but I don't know if he deals with it as an ex-military. It's something that I have in common with ex-military people is PTSD, and we have it pretty similarly. And I really wanted to alleviate that because um, at, in the beginning, it was really not allowing me to live life at all normally. I was a lot of times triggered by things or disconnected from my own needs and from myself and just kind of living in shock. So living life just, just you know, just shocked by life. And I, I wasn't, it was controlling me. I wasn't controlling kind of my life. And so when I went vegan, I realized that I can control my life, my health, my body, which was so cool. I never thought about it before. And so I really wanted to heal emotionally more than anything. And I'm, I'm glad to say that th that the food and combined with mindfulness really helped me a lot. So in, even now, if I'm triggered or I, I have PTSD, I know that that's happening. I know, okay, this is PTSD. It's not you. It's not your fault. And it's going to pass. So that's really, really powerful. That's a really motivational, inspirational story. Thank you for sharing that with us. We, you know, it's one thing we find in common with so many vegans is just that they have these really sometimes intense um, emotional reasons for it. And there's this desperation to, like you said, take back control of their bodies, but also to, you know, eliminate the contribution of violence and harm to other beings. Because as people mm -hmm. who have been harmed, you know or we know, because I also have had my own sexual assault experience and can relate to you on a very profound level oh, with this. Oh, I didn't know that, yeah. And it's, it does, it gives you that power to say like, okay, you know what, I've hurt in ways that nobody should have to. And even extending that to our little critters running around, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's empowering to be able to just show that compassion and that love. And that is such a huge part of veganism that I think some people forget because they think about it for just the health reasons. And while you obviously get a lot of health benefits from it, you can also still be a junk food vegan. So mm -hmm. having that <laughs> philosophy is really the foundation. And then whichever vegan you decide to be, it just sort of grows and branches out from there. Yeah, and, and one thing, you know, that I've thought about a lot lately is actually teaching my students that being an ethical vegan is uh, their strategy to maintain veganism because I see so, I know from statistics that 80% of vegans stop being vegan 
And that is a huge number. So I kind of see my mission as more geared towards people who are already thinking about veganism and they're either struggling or they just, you know, gave it up. And to teach them that once you have the ethical aspect of it and you understand it and you connect to it, veganism becomes really easy. So that's an interesting statistic that you mentioned about the 80%. um, You said 80% of vegans end up going backwards and not being vegan anymore. Yeah. So I'm assuming because you have this online course, the Effortlessly Flavorful Vegan Kitchen, that that is Mm -hmm. sort of targeted to help keep vegans um, want to be vegan, but also help other people who are considering to be vegan educate themselves. Am I right there? Yeah, totally. Um, The course is helping people with cravings um, in terms of just making the food delicious and teaching them how to do it and how to make food really quick. Uh, The recipes are very simple. I don't have anything dehydrated in the course or, you know, anything that really requires uh, massive labor and uh, measuring. So one of the things I really like to teach is how to make recipes without measuring and how to know when you get the food that looks good in the market, what to do with it. Uh, I My goal is to make people stop depending on recipes, um, which, you know, which I think some people think it's an art and it kind of is. I agree. Some people are better at it than others, but there is a, a sort of science to it that if you kind of know what flavor means and what it includes, you can create it because I used to be horrible in the kitchen. <laughs> before and I used to hate cooking and uh, when I started learning and teaching myself it just became really really easy. I like that you're taking the approach to help people move away from recipes while that might be counterintuitive to our Eat to Thrive program as it's full of recipes. I I encourage our our participants in the program to start to explore with their own creations and you know those recipes that we provide are all created by ourselves and we sort of I'm like you like oftentimes I don't use measuring tools in the kitchen and so when I created the recipes I had to actually measure like okay what am I putting in there and it doesn't it suck I also have recipes in there too, you know, for to get started. And when I when I make recipes, it's just it it takes the fun out of it, you know, just sitting there and measuring, and it takes just the creativity and the intuition out of it. Sure, and I think it also depends on the person. Like you know, in the beginning, I am somewhat of a perfectionist when it comes to some things, especially. In the kitchen, Chris is looking at me with that look. I know what that means. And it's in the beginning, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I did depend on the measuring to get an idea of like, how do these herbs and spices work together? What, you know, but over time, you get so comfortable and you can just smell things and know like, okay, this will go really well together. And I know that this is a powerful spice, so I shouldn't add too much there. Or, you know, it does, it's, it becomes an art form. And so our Eat to Thrive program, like I said, it has all of those recipes, but we totally encourage people to start feeling comfortable and branching out and exploring it. And I love that you push more towards the creative end of cooking. Yeah. So it's fun. And, you know, the thing is that I do it by giving them a method. So it's not like go and, you know, do it. But there's a method that kind of guides them to do it. 
So if our listeners are interested in this, the Effortlessly Flavorful Vegan Kitchen, what does that entail? So it's an online course and basically you get you get video lessons and recipes and uh, grocery guides and, and also a guide with this method, which I would love to share just quickly uh, later on, um, just the basics of it. And um, once they register, they just get the entire program right away. They can watch it at their own pace. And they also get uh, to be part of a Facebook community so they get access to me to ask me questions to help, you know, guide them through it. But the whole idea is just to teach them how to make really fast and easy recipes that they can also take on the go if they're working or, or whatever. Um, and just know their way around the kitchen, basically. That's awesome. Yeah, and it helps to reconnect them with their food too, which we we believe mm-hmm. is very important, that reconnection phase, which actually we feature in our mm-hmm. program as well, which is stage three. And it's really, really important to get to know your foods and your way around the kitchen. And that way, after you kind of integrate and do all those things, you then have a better sense of, you know, what to do and how to create these meals intuitively and tapping into that energetic uh the energetic aspect of the foods and how they're influencing you positively or negatively depending you know if you're eating nothing but healing foods it's going to be nothing but positive but you know Mm -hmm. um so what's this method that you said you'd like to share yes so i would love to share it now and um one thing that I forgot to say that is also part of this method is that I have found that a lot of people um, add a lot of oil to their food in uh, vegan cooking. And that is kind of one of the mistakes that I see in people because I used to do it as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing it did for me is just horrible digestion. <laughs> and people don't really know how to cook without oil. It's just such a basic thing to them you know so I I like to teach how to make your food flavorful hence the flavorful in the name uh, without the oil because I know it's it's confusing so uh, the method is basically for making your salad dressings dips and sauces because I think those give your food the most taste deliciousness flavor etc you know if if you're just to have broccoli on its own, it's not going to be as good as with something delicious to it. So the method basically is uh, seven categories, and hopefully I'm not going to trip on this, but <laughs> I'm going to tell you the categories. And what you do is you just pick one or two items. You get um, a whole grocery list with it's broken down by the categories and the items in each category. There are a lot to choose from. So you just pick one or two from each category, throw it in the blender, and you're done. Very, very easy. Um, so the categories are as follows. There's uh, fat, salt, sour, and sweet. Um, and then flavoring. So that's your spices, basically. But it can also be fresh ginger, green onion, things like that. Um, vegetables, so I use uh, uh, veggie-based like tomatoes or bell peppers to kind of give it more bulk and nutrition, but to lower the fat a little bit. And then the last one is 
See, now I'm forgetting. <laughs> no, no. Here, it's come back to me. The last one is thickener. So that's basically either chia seeds or flax seeds, and it's meant to give you omega-3s, but also uh, when you blend them up, you know, they, they kind of like draw in the water and they make your uh, dressing dip or sauce thicker. So that's the seven steps. And then the last one, um, kind of a bonus one to guide you, is cultural inspiration. So if you're making Mexican food, it helps you to kind of think of the spices and the veggies and everything that would belong to that category. That's perfect. I love that. Breaks it down so simply, you know, and mm-hmm. I, w- I wish I'd have had you around when I was exploring all of this myself. Cause yeah, I, 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 I wish I had me too <laughs> back then. I was so confused. I made a lot of uh, flops, uh, as we say, with some sauces yeah. in the past, but now it becomes so, in, you know, intuitive. And all of those categories you mentioned are so important. And once you have one thing from those categories together, it's just amazing. And I'm definitely going to try out your method particularly and see what I can come up with there. Ooh, I'd be excited to see. There's always, it, it's cool because there's endless possibilities, you know? Mm-hmm. So if our listeners are considering adding more raw foods into their diet, what would be your advice to them? I would say, first of all, most importantly, actually I made a video on Facebook Live today about this. Um, don't pressure yourself. So, so many people message me and they're like, I want to be a hundred percent raw. What do I do? And the first thing I tell them is do not think that you have to be 100% raw. And if you're not, then you're eating unhealthy. Just add more raw and enjoy it and know that a whole food plant-based diet is the way to go. Don't put pressure on yourself. So that's the first step, uh, which I find really important to say because, you know, I feel like vegans are more susceptible to eating disorders. So <laughs> I do not want this to become an eating disorder. Sure. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, the, the second thing is, like you guys said, you love your smoothie bowls, and I'm totally on board with that. And I think it's really easy uh, to make a smoothie bowl. It's fast, it's delicious, and it, it's really, really nutrient-dense. So I would definitely recommend starting out with Uh, beginning your day with a smoothie bowl and having some greens in there, some healthy fats, a little bit of seeds that you like, um, and some fruit, and make it really filling. Make sure that when you start out, just track your calories a little bit. Don't make it, you know, something you have to do, but just when you're starting um, and you're portion size, start to track what kind of fruits you're putting in there so that you get enough of your uh, necessary calories. So that'd be Anywhere between 500 and 700, 800. Um, And then I also recommend starting your meals with a little bit of fruit. So even if you're having a cooked meal, it's nice to get started with just some fruit before your meal because it helps with your blood sugar. It helps you be less hungry and, you know, reach for more sweet kind of junk food. And uh, it's just everybody, pretty much everybody loves fruit fruit. So I think it's a very easy uh, thing to do. And of course, learn to make your sauces, dips and dressings. So because they themselves are raw, uh, for the most part, and they contain also great nutrition. Spices are very nutrient dense. So it's great to include them in there. And, uh, you know, your nuts and seeds and 
in relatively uh, small amounts, reasonable amounts are great as well. And yeah, and if you can have, even if you are having cooked food, which is totally fine, to have some, you know, of your uh, green leafy vegetables on your plate in your bowl and to have your dressing, you're already having pretty much, you know, a big portion of your meal raw. So that's really easy. And then you can add your beans, which are super healthy, lentils, uh, other grains, whatever you want. Perfect. Great. Thank you so much for that. And to add a little something in there, since we do a lot of smoothie bowls, as we mentioned, a great base for people that are listening is avocado. So we we add avocado to almost all of our smoothie bowls um, with, obviously, we have a lot of frozen fruits, strawberries, bananas, other berries, pineapple, and everything else, and then maybe a little green, and then, like you said, some seeds. We... We do like the flax, we like the chia, and we also love uh, hemp seeds. Mm-hmm. Mm, me too, especially after a workout. I love them. Throw a bit of cacao powder and maca powder on there, Some maybe some coconut shreds or something tasty. You're good to go. Sounds delicious. I've never tried avocado. i got to try it. What? You know what I love is avocado mousse. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it now. I love avocado mousse. That's like my favorite dessert, and it's so easy. Just avocado, whatever sweetener you like, and cacao. Oh yeah. Um, so it's probably similar to that. So I'm sure it's really good. Well, it really helps because it actually thickens the smoothie bowl up. So it's I mean, obviously, the more liquid you add, the thinner it gets. But the avocado really thickens it up and gives it a beautiful base. And I just love mm-hmm. operating off of those healthy fats right from the start. The- I find that my body functions well on that. And it's so good for your skin and your hair. And avocado mm-hmm. is just great for everything. I used to hate it when I was a kid. My family used to force me. They, they were always in the healthy mindset. And they used to, this was such a mistake. Don't ever do this to your kids. They used to force me to eat avocado just with nothing. Just like, just munch on avocado and it just made me hate it, but now I love it. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you got over your despise for that. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So where can our listeners find you if they're interested in connecting? So I'll give you guys the link to the waitlist for the course because it's currently closed, Um, but you can waitlist and then can be the first to hear when it opens up again. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Soul in the Raw, on Facebook as facebook.com slash marina at Soul in the Raw, on Pinterest and on YouTube all at Soul in the Raw. Perfect. And we'll link all of those in the introdu- or the description of the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Marina, for your wealth of knowledge on the high raw vegan diet and the benefits. Thank you for sharing your transformational journey. I think our listeners will be super excited to check out your online course and we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. It was a lot of fun. Yes. Lots of good information in that one. She got a lot of good pointers. We're going to try some of those ourselves maybe some mono meals are in our future let's do it well now it's time for your health tip of the episode and it is on talking what what something we do every day and probably way too much of but i'm going to talk about why talking is good for initiating that self-healing cycle as a life coach 
my job is to create that safe space, that sacred space for people to come to explore the confines of their mind. You know, I use the art and science of coaching to help ask those questions and the really good ones that get right in there that let that person sort of dissolve their ego and just explore. So why is this so beneficial? Why are people experiencing great self-development through therapy, counseling, coaching, uh, mentoring, or just even having a best friend to talk to? It's because sometimes the concepts that are in our mind are not so tangible. We're not able to really touch it and feel it and understand it because it's still hidden in the clouds, right? But once we start talking, especially to someone we feel comfortable with, we can start to explore things that we maybe didn't know were there. And you'll find that if you start to talk and talk and talk, sure, maybe at first the ego comes out, you're trying to make the person feel a certain way, you're trying to shine a certain light on yourself. But if it's someone that you really trust, after a while those barriers start to dissolve and next thing you know you're saying things, you're having these aha moments, you're you're experiencing the knowledge within yourself, that innate God-given wisdom unfolding into verbal interaction. And it's a really beneficial space to be in. So what happens when we don't talk? when we bottle things up, that actually increases our stress levels. It increases, it puts us at a risk for things like depression, disconnection. We start to feel isolated. And we start to feel like people don't really understand us as well. And to be honest, that's not a fair assessment because maybe they would if we would talk and let them in. So talking isn't always easy. Sometimes people would rather keep those difficult times to themselves. I'm guilty of it just as much as anyone else. But when you can find that person, whomever it may be, whichever profession or just best friend, to sit there and open up the floodgates, just let it go without judgment, without fear, without anxiety, just explore the words that you create to get these ideas across, you'll find that you have so many answers within you. And as we say with coaching, I believe that every client comes to me whole and complete, ready to generate their own perfect solutions. I'm just there to help them find them with the right questions. So I encourage you, talk to a friend today, talk to a family member today, especially about that sticky stuff that's hard to reach and understand. We wanna get in there. The only way to dissolve that is to bring awareness to it and move forward. And of course, if you are interested in signing up for a free session for coaching, you can go to soulandwonder.com forward slash free dash session. And with that website link, you'll be able to schedule a free session with me, no commitment, no pressure. We can explore some of the blocks and barriers you're experiencing in your life now. And basically, I let you talk and we'll take it from there. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It's always a pleasure. Mm -hmm.